Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Well, that's very kind. Hi, how are you? It's been a while. I'm nervous. It's been a while. Not that I'm ever short of a few words. So we'll send a few your way, shall we? Thank you. Uh, Okay, well, if you've not met me before, I am Jacinda, and I happen to be married to Matt, and we have the absolute delight of leading this church, and have done now for eight years now. And uh, we've just come back off sabbatical. We've been away for the last couple of months, and I'm just going to move this slightly because the kick hazard is real. Uh, And uh, yeah, so we've just come back after a couple months away, and uh, you'll be pleased to know that uh, this is the most time that Matt and I have had just the two of us for probably something like 27 years. You know, once you start having kids, you don't ever get time alone. And uh, and so we got to have the large majority of that two months uh, just us. I still like him. Yeah, it's good news. We just uh, we had our 31st wedding anniversary while we were away, and I was like, if this is retirement, I was talking to Alan yesterday. I was like, if this is what retirement is, I'm looking forward to it because I get to hang out with him way more. So this is really good. Um, a few of the other things that happened uh, while we were away just uh, just created space, really, to sort of step aside from all of the stuff you know, that we all carry and are in the thick of all of the time. And those are rare uh, moments in our lives, aren't they? And uh, just gave me this opportunity. You know, I kind of went with a plan. I took, honestly, two boxes of books. Um, Nothing if not optimistic. Uh, And I read only a few. Um, Because God ended up wanting to do a whole lot of different things to what I was expecting. And that's, I don't know about you, but that seems to often be the way. I should have just gone with nothing and then, you know, I wouldn't have had to carry the books back and forward. But one of the things that he did was just um, capture my heart again. Honestly, I was practicing this yesterday and I cried then. Just, Just the wonder of his love for us, his love for me. And just kind of catches my breath every time when I consider that he pursued me in all of my mess and my brokenness and loves me. And he loves you just the same. And I don't know about you, but like I cannot ever think about that and not get like this. <sighs> even when I practice in my office with no one there. <laughs> Madness. But, you know, just, just his relentless pursuit of us because of his love for us blows my mind over and over and over again. And so I just had my heart captured again with his love for me and for us as his people. Uh, I felt, fell in love again with this whole sense of call to vocation as your pastor. You know, this is a, I don't know if you knew this before you sent us away, but um, a large number of pastors who go on sabbatical don't come back to work. I'm serious. The percentages are really high. Um, it's almost like once you stop, the weariness, you, you know, that you can't get in touch with the weariness that's there, and it can be bigger and deeper than you sometimes realize. And so people, lots of them, don't come back. However, we're back. 
and more in love with Jesus and with his church and excited about what it is that he's calling us into in this next, you know, like, like Matt's 55. We figure we've got at least a good decade in us. And uh, we're going to just continue to pursue him and pursue, you know, what it is that he has planted us here to do. And we get to do this together. How good is that? And uh, another thing that happened was um, we got to visit a whole lot of churches all over the place, like uh, Whangarei, Tauranga, Christchurch, Auckland. You know, we just visited different churches, different denominations, different size churches. Matt even got to go to this little tiny um, house church up in Nungaroo, up just near Whangarei. And, uh, and as we did that, as we were just seeing the expression of genuine, loving people who are working out their faith within the context that they're living in, just my love for the church grew. God is doing such good things all over the place, like all over the place. I was moved to tears over and over again as we heard stories of what God was doing within local churches, the change that he was bringing into people's lives through what they were doing. How do we not love the church? I mean, we're messy, we're broken, and we're in process, and we don't get it right all the time, but there is beauty here. God is here. He loves his church. And so on the one hand, you know, I felt my love for the whole church growing, and at the same time was becoming more and more convinced that we, within the vineyard, and in particular within Coast Vineyard, have a unique part to play. Those two things at the same time. We are one vegetable in the stew is how we tell it, but we are an important vegetable. We have something to do. We have some flavor to bring and to contribute and to offer, and those were some of the things that God captured my heart again with when I was away. And uh, John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he was an extremely humble man, but he said this uh, years ago. He died about 20-some years ago now, but... um, But I love this. He said, the vineyard is a mere thread in the global tapestry of the church, but I believe it is a thread of God's weaving. God is weaving his people together. He is weaving his church, both global and historical, and we are a part of that. And so today, just as uh, as I was praying about what it was, I I was kind of trying to get a sense of what God wanted to say today, Um, I felt like, in the same way that he's kind of taken me back to some of my roots over my sabbatical, kind of back to the core things that are really important to me, to do the same with us. That we take a moment just to pause and to remember who we are and where we've come from and what it is that we carry, who it is that we carry. It's an opportunity today just to share a little bit heart to heart, okay? So imagine we're sitting over a table good food in front of us, and we're in for a chat, all right? It's just there's a few of us. And the cooking would be great, because it probably wouldn't be mine. <laughs> so, uh, so one of the things, there's a Māori proverb, uh, it, and proverb or wisdom whakatauki, and it says, kamua kamuri, and it says we are walking backwards into the future. We look at our past, we look behind us of where we've come and where we've, what God has done in our instance that informs us then as we move forward into the future. And that's what I want to do today, is for us to kamua and to kamuri, to look back and to then walk forward. So that's what we're going to do. 
This, for some of us, for some of you that have been around a little while, this is an opportunity for you to just to remember. I don't know about you, but I forget really fast. Even as I was preparing this, God was just reminding me of some of the things that have, he's done in the last eight years. And I was like, I cannot believe that I kind of forgot that. They were important. They were big. They were life-changing things. But we, we forget. Remembering means to sort of remember, to take something and make it us again to hold it close, to absorb it. And for others of you that have recently joined us, this is an opportunity for you to hear some of your whakapapa for the first time, to get a sense of and connection to the ones that we follow, the ones that have gone before us, the shoulders on, of you know, people that we are standing on, as well as a, a sense of who it is that we're called to be whānau with in this place at this time. And so that's what we're going to do today. Okay? We're in this together. Woohoo! Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just want to say thank you for this people, for this place. And God, that you are with us. Even as we've sung these amazing songs this morning, your presence has been with us, and it's just such a gift every time. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would be with us in a fresh way today. I ask, God, that every person that's here would encounter you in life-changing, wonderful ways today. Enlarge our hearts. Help us to take the risk of being open to you this morning. Capture our ears. Capture our imagination with what it is you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, for those of you, well, actually, most, a lot of you have been to Welcome Lunches, so you would have heard some of our story there, but um, I wanted to sort of expand on it a little bit, because we, like, power through things at the Welcome Lunch. We had one last week. It was awesome to have you all there, and, um, but, and it actually was just reminding me, oh, my gosh, you know, this, the story of the vineyard is a wonderful thing. Please, as I am talking about the vineyard, please don't hear that as we do not love the rest of the church, Okay? That is not what I am saying. We are not the best. We do not know it all. But this is the family that we have been called to and that many of you have been called to as well. So let's know the whānau. Let's know our story. The, uh, the vineyard movement was birthed in California, Southern California. Woohoo! Beach people. I mean, you know, they're our people right there, aren't they? Imagine if you were in Iceland and you heard that. No, they're our kind of people. They were people that were being saved out of the hippie, hippie culture, surfies. It was like the kind of the Jesus movement days. And so there were people coming to faith and not really fitting within the church at that time, as well as there was a group of people that had been in the church for a number of years, and they were just disgruntled, dissatisfied, uh, disappointed, and they'd started meeting together in someone's lounge in a place called Yorbalinda. Anyone been there? Yeah, it's right not far from Disneyland. Yeah. And the thing with this group of people is that they were just hungry for God. They didn't know what they didn't know. All they knew was they were hungry for God and they wanted more of Jesus in their lives. And so they just started coming together and just praying together and weeping together because, you know, some of them had been hurt and broken and, and, you know, kind of there was a whole lot of stuff that was going on within them. They poured out their hearts to God in prayer and in worship, and they didn't really know how they were supposed to do that, so they just did, they just did it. There were sort of no rules about what that had to look like. They started to sing really simple songs of worship. There was a young boy there who was about 14 years old. He picked up a guitar and just started strumming like G, D, and A. 
Even I can play those chords. I mean, early vineyard worship songs were so simple. I sing a simple song of love to my Savior, to my Jesus. And they just started singing those songs and pouring out their hearts and pouring out their desperation for God. And as they did this in simplicity and started singing songs to Jesus and not just about him, and in ways that were more intimate than any of them had ever experienced, what happened was is that God's presence came in just the most precious, wonderful ways. Captivated them. It sort of made them all the more hungry. It's like one of those weird things. It's like you get your fill, and it makes you more hungry somehow because nothing else satisfies like Jesus does. So they kept on crying out for God and kept on seeking him, and then... They, um, they, they went through, uh, they'd been doing that a while, and then they felt like God said, okay, you need to start praying for the sick. Because there's this book, I don't know if you've read it. <laughs> An actual book. They read all the stuff within the book that Jesus did, and they felt like God was saying, well, do that. Do the stuff that Jesus did. But they had no examples of that. No one was really doing that. A lot of people at that time believed that that stuff stopped at the end of the book. And so they just started taking risks. They started praying for the sick. I remember listening to John Wimber. Um, we had the pleasure of being around him uh, for a number of years before he died. And he would tell the story of how he prayed for like over 100 people before they saw anyone healed. How disappointing. How frustrating, and yet he couldn't stop. He was compelled to keep doing it because he was trying to be obedient to what God had called him to do. And he kept reading that Jesus did it and his disciples did it. And they say in the book, go and do this yourselves. That was Jesus' commission, was for us to go and do this stuff. And so he just kept at it and kept at it. And eventually they saw people start to get healed. He tells the story of the first person that got healed. He was halfway out the room trying to make excuses for why it hadn't happened. And she was getting up out of bed and offering to make him a cup of coffee. <laughs> he did it because it was in the word. And because God was bringing that to life and empowering them through the Holy Spirit to do these things. Eventually, they started seeing people healed in really large numbers. They were invited to go and speak and minister all around the world, which is how the vineyard came to influence the whole church through intimate worship and through the empowering gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the vineyard was known for. You know, we have had the privilege, Matt and I, of being around, knowing and working for some of those early vineyard pioneers. We lived and worked in California for two years. We met a bunch of them when we were also living in the UK. And, and, and I, I know them now. Like, they're, all, they're retired and they're, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s and some of them now. But the thing that strikes me about them still to this day is they are still hungry for Jesus. Still they are still expectant of encounters with the Holy Spirit. They still pray for the sick. They still serve the poor. They still go and preach the good news to anyone who'll listen. Still. I want to be like that when I grow up. I've been thinking that ever since I met them in my 20s. I want to be like that when I grow up. I figure at 53, I've still got a few years in me. So I'm still going to work this thing out. It's captured, it captured their hearts and it captured ours, honestly. When we encountered the vineyard in the early 90s, we were just blown away that the stuff 
that was in there could happen today and that we could be part of it. That God would actually include Matt and I and our weak, faith minimal prayers and stuff would happen. We, we prayed for people. We went to our first Vineyard Conference in 1990 down in Wellington. And uh, John Wimmer had come out and they were doing this big ministry time. And we, I don't know how, but we ended up on the ministry team. We knew nothing. I don't know how we got on that team. Someone made a mistake somewhere. But, um, but one of the prayers, see, they, they did simple songs. They did simple prayers. And so we learnt this simple prayer and we just turned up and then went, John, we were like, John Wimber's there, you know, all this great thing, stuff will happen. He started inviting people to respond to words of knowledge of like, he would have, you know, people would have specific words of knowledge. You know, there's a lady here in her 60s who has a, a, something wrong with her hip uh, and you've just been to the doctor this week and are looking at surgery. Like that, almost by name. So we're like, well, you know, we don't really need to pray a lot because there are people like that in the room. Anyway, he did this stuff. We, this isn't in my notes. Um, but anyway, why are we here? Um, but the thing that... This is, coffees with me can take a long time. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, the crazy thing was, we literally, we prayed our best prayers, which were, come Holy Spirit. And we saw God come, and he did amazing things in spite of us. Poor Matt didn't have the great first experience that I did, but I had a wonderful time. <laughs> we came home that first night, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I just prayed all this rubbish, and it didn't work, and I was just filling the you know, space with noise. And I was like, I had this amazing encounter. <laughs> A lot of years later, we were literally just newly married. It was really great. Um, here we are 30 years later, and I still, I still long for those moments. And I will still turn up, and I will still pray, come, Holy Spirit. It's what I sang on my way here today. I just want God to come and do what it is he wants to do in each one of us, because it will change our lives, and it will change our families, and it will change our community, and change our city, and our nation, and beyond. None of that's in my notes. Okay, so we were captured by these things of the vineyard. And so many years later, we've, you would have heard some of our story at the welcome lunch. But eight years ago, nine years ago, God planted this dream within our hearts. I was actually listening to, uh, we'd been talking for a while. Matt's like, I really think that we're gonna, we need to plant another church. And I'm like, la, 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 la. Life is good. Let's not mess with what ain't broke. Full of faith, me. And uh, he's just down here wiping his eyes. Um, but I was listening to a vineyard uh, conference session from a, a conference that had happened in the UK about six months earlier, the beginning of 2012. And at the end of this message, Eleanor Mumford, who at that point was the national, one of the national directors for the vineyard in the UK, she had been talking, I can't even actually remember what she was talking about, but she does this call to ministry and she said, if God has planted a dream for a church within your heart that you don't want to get to old age and regret never trying to have brought that into reality, come forward for prayer now. I was on the other side of the world six months after that message had been given and I just wept. 
Because over a period of time, God had been capturing my heart with this part of this beautiful city that we live in, that he wanted to do more here. Even though there are fantastic churches up here, that there was something unique that we would be able to carry and offer to our community. And it wasn't just us. As we started talking about that with friends and talked to the pastors whose church we were in, you know, we all had the sense of Jesus is up to stuff and he's inviting us to participate up here on the Hibiscus Coast. And so we just started gathering together in our lounge. There were like three or four families. We met on a Sunday afternoon. It was summer. It was February. We started meeting. Kids were outside playing. We were inside like just talking, dreaming, praying, getting to know each other, eating together afterwards, worshipping. Like just honestly, part of it just felt so incredibly normal. Isn't that kind of the tricky thing with spiritual things? They can feel really normal. And it's like, is that God? Yes, it is him. He meets us in our ordinary and uses all of that. You know, I, I, um, I feel like I can relate to Moses in the Bible quite a bit. Apart from I'm not a man, don't have a long beard, didn't go up Mount Sinai and get the actual word of God, like, you know, the Ten Commandments. But what I resonate with him as a leader is that he was a reluctant leader. You know, when God says, I'm going to send you, you know, to the people of Israel, he's like, oh, you know, I have a speech impediment. I'm not very good at public speaking. Could you get someone else? <laughs> like his first thing was to the defaulted to the why I'm not good enough for this, why I'm not equipped enough for this. And God just didn't care. He took his weakness and did it anyway. You know, in Exodus, um, this, is, this is Moses' prayer, and honestly, this was kind of mine, because as we were getting going and doing all of this, even before I really said a full yes to God for, for doing this church plant, I just was like, God, if this isn't you, I don't want to do it. Church planting is really hard work. <laughs> just, you know, can I just say? It's not for the faint-hearted. We know a number of church planters. It takes everything you've got and more. I'm not doing this unless this is your idea which is a bit like Moses, really, in Exodus 33. And he said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? Unless you go with us. We are counting on God's presence being with us. Yeah, I'm not the only one in the room. Yeah, we are counting on his presence being with us. We were like that when we started. It hasn't changed. We celebrate our eighth birthday next month. Woohoo! How big and growing up are we? <laughs> Still figuring it out. But, but God is the one who's led us this far. We're counting on him leading us on just as God's people have always had to do. You know, and we've experienced his presence along with us. You know, he's continued to lead us all the way through. And honestly, the many times when we've gotten to things, we're like, oh, well, we just don't know what to do. It's a bit like parenting, eh? Like, we're brilliant parents until we actually have children. And then all our theories are just like, oh, that didn't work. Now what do we do? It's a bit like that with church planting. I don't know if I should tell you that. Well, we're eight years in. You know, but there have been many a time when we've gone, we don't know, we don't know. We've been beyond what we've known. But 
I, wa- I look at the leaders that God used in Scripture. I look at his people. I look at the history. And it's like he uses people who don't know all the time. I, one of the books I read while I was on um, sabbatical was Eugene Peterson's book, The Pastor. And he's written a beautiful book. He was a pastor for decades before he retired. And, uh, and, and it's a call to be contemplative as we lead. And, um, and just, I, you know, it's part of my falling in love again with the, um, the privilege of the job that I have. And, uh, and I look at someone like and then he gets right to the very end of his book. And he said, in all the decades that I've pastored this church, he was a one church, all, all his pastoral life, he says, most of the time I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm like, oh, phew, I'm in good company. <laughs> I don't know if that's reassuring. <laughs> it should be, because it's not about us, it's about him. That should reassure you. So we are birthed, we were birthed by the Holy Spirit and in prayer. And we've been sustained by him ever since. He has provided for us over and over and over again. This building is, a, is God's provision. We've got a whole story about how this works. I looked at this building. I just remember this the other day. I looked at this building when we were in planting mode, when we had like 30 people. We would have rattled. But, um, but it's like this amazing facility on the coast. And so I came here thinking, this would be amazing. But it was already booked up every Sunday by another church. And it wasn't available. And so we planted a church up in Stanmore Bay School which served us incredibly well. There were about 50 of us that first day. We'd rush from doing welcoming to doing coffees to doing kids or, or some combination of. Because we believed in this thing. We were, we'd seen evidence of God's presence with us and it just captured our hearts. You know, we've continued to grow in worship and in prayer. I am absolutely, we are, have been just, just so excited by the fact that our worship people, our community are writing songs. They're writing worship songs. That's how the vineyard started. Songs that are simple and beautiful and heartfelt and intimate with God. Well done, you guys. Well done for leading the charge, Thomas. We are writing our own simple songs of love to Jesus. We've been learning to pray for people. You know, we've, we've prayed all, for all kinds of things over the last eight years. Physical, mental, emotional, practical things. And we've seen God's hand move over and over and over again. And honestly, if we had like an open mic session, I could just invite a whole lot of you and we'll just take turns calling to mind again the things that God has done with us in the last few years. He's provided us with facilities. You know, one of the things Matt talked about last week when he was talking about, okay, what's next for us as a church is this is feeling like God's saying, okay, it's time for a building, a permanent building. Yes, says the setup guys, <laughs> who are here really early setting everything up. Love, love, love what you do, guys. And, and we've seen him provide for us before. We have the hub in Silverdale where we've got our worship uh, and prayer gathering tonight. Little plug. See how I did that? Um, it's totally worth coming. If you want to grow in worship or if you love worship, if you, but if you wanted to step into this place of encountering Jesus with a little more freedom of time than what we have in the morning, come tonight. It's fantastic. But the hub, what you may not know when we got that, however many years ago, uh, don't know, um, I'm not good with dates. Um, when I first saw that, I don't know why, but I seem to be the first in these buildings. Um, maybe I need to look for the, I'll take the charge. <laughs> 
We'll talk later. Um, no, but I just suddenly realised, oh my gosh, Sarah Plummer and I, we went and had a look at this manky old thing. It was concrete, bare, it was disgusting, it was filthy dirty and just disgusting, and had been empty for ages. But see, we had been given a word from the Lord uh, out of, uh, where was it, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14, it's the valley of dry bones, of the sense of calling that we are going to carry his presence out into places of death and desolation and bring new life. So we went into that building, we saw this manky, horrible space, and we were like, this is a physical representation of what he is wanting to do in people's lives this could be great. And then we had a friend of ours who's pastoring in Australia, she had a dream about this building, about this office space for us. And so she happened to be visiting, we told her about this thing we'd looked at, Matt took her for a drive, she's like, that's it! That's it. If that doesn't give us some confidence that he could give us a building somewhere in this part of our community, what do we need? You may not know that underneath the carpet at the hub, it is covered in prayers. Before we laid the carpet, we went up after church one day, we invited anyone who wanted to to come up, and we got our crayons and our chalk and everything out, and we wrote our prayers all over the floor. Come, Holy Spirit. It's front and center in that place. So every time you walk in there, you are walking into a place that people have prayed into existence in the same way that we as his church have been prayed into existence. I don't know why I'm crying so much today. Oh, it's good. (laughs) Says all of you not crying. (laughs) Far out, man. We have seen... Oh, God, please help me. We have prayed for people and seen amazing healings. I asked for permission from Jenny to um, tell the story of their grandson, who uh, about seven years ago, not long after we'd started, we were getting to know each other. And we got a call from Robert on a Friday morning saying uh, Jacob had started having seizures the night before when Jenny had been getting ready for bed. He was about 18 months, two years old. And they hadn't been able to stop the seizures for five hours. And uh, he was in a coma at hospital, and they didn't know if he was going to live. They said if he lives, then he will have significant brain injury. Because for such a little person to have seizures for that long is brutal. And so they asked if we would come and pray. And we stood in that ICU with them, um, He was in a coma, and, you know, all the machines, all the wires. I'd forgotten this. I can't believe I forgot this. And we prayed our best prayers, motivated by love for them and for this little guy, and that sense of, God, we know that you can. Will you? But honestly, it was like they were simple prayers. It's like, you know, those places can be quite intimidating, you know, with all the machines and all of the stuff, and he's just lying so still, and, uh, and we prayed our best prayers, didn't we? We joined, we joined you. Two days later, he woke up, and he recognized his family, and he talked to them, and then he was able to eat something, and then he was able to move, and then he was back at home. 
And uh, Robert worked as a paramedic, and the, one of the guys that he worked with, Jenny just reminded me this morning, one of the guys that worked with him said, I, that, that doesn't happen. A child does not go home after having seizures for that long and be okay and go home. That doesn't happen. We saw it happen. Jacob's running around this place. He's nine years old now. How, how do we forget that stuff? We've got to call this to mind again. God is here. He does stuff. He meets with his people. If we just keep reaching out to him. Now, I know that we have also prayed for people who have had cancer, and some of them have been healed, and some of them we've had to bury. That's that's the tension that we live with. That's why our theology, our belief about God, what do we believe about God? Kingdom theology, where we see this breaking in of his kingdom and some of the time, but not all of the time. It's not easy doing this stuff. But remembering our stories. Each one of us have stories of where God has answered our prayers and met us. We have babies that are born here because of the answer to prayers. We have jobs. We have people who have moved from the other side of the world because they think this is where God was leading them. He's provided homes and employment and friendship and community for them. None of those are small things. But we forget. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good all the time. All the time, even in the times of heartbreak, he is present with us. So we look back to go forward. And honestly, doing this, I think part of this is why I'm emotional, is I have, I have lost sight of some of this. And God's just been capturing my heart with it again. This was the stuff we fell in love with when we first came into the vineyard and were invited to go and pray for people. And yet along the way, because of disappointment, because of prayers that haven't been answered the way that we would have hoped, because we've had to bury some people that we've really loved, it's easy to pull back and to stop. D.L. Moody, who was a wonderful American evangelist and preacher, he's quoted as saying, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit, but we leak. We get weary in well-doing, We can get weary. I think for lots of us in this last sort of 12 to 18 months, we've all been through a lot. COVID has been an interesting journey, hasn't it? We can get weary along the way. We can forget. I know for me, I have wavered in confidence. Honestly, I'm like with Moses, I'm like really quick to see the things that I'm not good at. I see my inadequacies. I see the things that I I can't do. And I struggle then to open my mouth, to step forward and to do the thing. And yet this is the stuff I love. It's the stuff that God captured my heart with. So we need to remember our stories for each one of us. Like honestly, if we went home sometime over this next week, just started writing down all of the answers to prayer that we've seen God do in our lives. Imagine if we put that together in a book somehow. Like it would be massive, actually. Last Sunday, Matt shared about us, you know, partnering with God and making Jesus known here on the coast. Because the reality is, we are a family with a purpose. Our purpose is to make Jesus known. And just in the same way that God commissioned John the Baptist to go and to prepare the way for Jesus, um, do you want to pop that piece of scripture up there, Joel? Just, you know, he's... 
John went out into the wilderness. We are being sent out to our people that we get to do life with, and we are preaching to them. We're preaching with our lives, the way that we live, who we're becoming, as well as with the words that we speak. And we do uh, in the same way that uh, John did. He was called to do this. Let's uh, punch the next slide, please. We are to prepare the way for the Lord, to make straight paths for him, to, for every valley to be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked paths will be made straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation as we do that. That is part of what's next for us. We're to look back at what's gone before us, both in our own lives as well as in the story that we find ourselves in as part of this vineyard family. And we're to go forward and we're going to go to prepare the way for Jesus. To make it as easy as possible that, that all the people that we are in life, doing life with could come to know and follow him the way that we do. And that we're going to keep growing in that as well. That's the wonderful thing about all this stuff. Worship, prayer, learning how to hear from God, praying for the sick, all of that. We can learn it. We can practice. We can get better. I did not, my very first time I prayed for anyone, I, I didn't know anything Maybe there was a naive wonder to that, actually. Maybe I get in my own, this is me thinking out loud, maybe I get in my own way sometimes. But all of that is too big for us to do on our own. All of it is. This is all too big to do on our own. Just being church together. Connecting in small groups, engaging in things that actually reach out to community. All of that is just too big for us. But we are ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary God. He sent his Holy Spirit to help us to do that, to go out to the least, to the lost, and to the lonely in our community. Dwight Moody again says this, Real, true faith is man's and woman's weakness leaning on God's strength. We don't have to have it all worked out. We don't have to be adequate. We don't have to be spiritual superstars. We just need to say yes. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need him to work in us every day, to bring scripture alive for us in ways that form and inform us, to help us to draw near to him in worship, where he can heal our hearts, and fill us with truth and with courage. And we need him to attune our heart to hear God's voice, both for ourselves as, as well as everyone that is around us. And we need the Holy Spirit for boldness, to give away what we've been given. It was interesting, um, before church, there's, a, you know, there's the opportunity, and there are a number of people who come early to pray for us, for when we gather. And if you want to be part of that, they meet just out there, eh? What time? 9.40? 9.40. So if you want to be part of that, that would be great. Anyway, they prayed for us today and they came uh, and shared this word with us and it was just to be bold and to hold your ground. They didn't know what I was preaching on today. Be bold and hold your ground. So today, here I am. I am hungry for more of God. Amen. And I am hungry for his activity among us Amen. in all of our lives. Are you? We're in the right place. We're looking for and we're longing for, aren't we, for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For us, in our day, for this place, for our city, 
You know, we are a church that has been birthed by the Holy Spirit. We are being formed by God's word and we are a family with a purpose and we're going to go do that thing. So let's just keep seeking him. Let's keep pursuing God in worship. Let's keep our hearts open and expectant for his Holy Spirit. You know, a number of years ago, or just a few years ago actually, um, uh, Archbishop, Archbishop, Justin Welby, we don't have archbishops within the vineyard, but they do within the Anglican Church. An archbishop is like the lead leader for the Anglican Church worldwide. And he was asked at a vineyard conference in the UK, if he could say anything to the vineyard movement, what would that be? And this is what he said. Vineyard, never, ever, ever, ever pull back on the Holy Spirit. This is our birthright. It is our calling. And it is something we have to contend for. So Coast Vineyard, let's never, ever, ever pull back on the Holy Spirit. Let's sign up again to follow wherever he leads, to open our hearts to the work of his Holy Spirit and to be willing to take risks for the sake of the kingdom because this is us. We are a people that has been gathered together by God to be his church in this particular place at this particular time. We are called to make Jesus known and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did. Do you want to sign up again? Can I invite the worship team up? So honestly, for Matt and I with the sabbatical, it really... You know, with coming back, it really is with a sense of, okay, we have probably at least 10 years. You know, and there's that thing of you often overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in a decade. We want to we wanna dream big dreams for this decade. We want to see God do whatever he wants to do and change our community because we're here. So in, in a lot of ways, coming back coming back to church, coming back to work, we're signing up again. We are, personally, signing up again for this next decade. And my invitation, and I think God's invitation is, do you want to sign up with us? Some of us have taken a bit of a beating this last 12 months, or more, 18 months, I guess now. It hasn't been smooth sailing. I know that some of you have lost people that you love. I know that there's been disappointment and discouragement. Will you sign up again? Will you say yes to following Jesus again? Will you say yes to letting the Holy Spirit come and empower you to go and do the things that Jesus did? Because that is how we're going to play our part in what God is up to on the coast. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.